This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. Let's take Cancelo off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Cakes with, with me, Cam Raslan, and uh, our three wonderful pundits, Goglan Duraraju. Hello, everyone. Uh, great to see you. And Dennis Corkill. Nice to be back in uh, Malaysia, actually, after all my travels. So, uh, yeah, nice to see you all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after all your Qatar Asian Cup heroics. Uh, and, uh, and Bob Holmes. Oh, nice to still be in Malaysia. I haven't been anywhere for ages. Yeah, you and me, Bob. We just don't go anywhere. Uh, so, it's um, Bob has. Uh, Bob Facebook has. Facebook Bob. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, there's been a. There's been a, a, a. Bob Holmes's Facebook has been hacked. So if you get messages from uh, Bob Holmes on Facebook asking for money, ignore him. Um, Unless it's the Facebook. Yeah, that's the real Bob. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, today we've got uh, Champions League, a bit of Europa, a bit of Europe Conference, and a lot of Premier League. And also at the end, we're going to be talking about uh, Manchester United's behind the scenes, and perhaps a bit of Harry Kane and Kylian Mbappe as well. So let's start with Champions League um, and Des Corkill. Copenhagen won, Man City three. Um, a couple of things. One is Man City are going to win everything, and... Kevin De Bruyne is very good at that football thing. Yeah, sadly, it's. Um, I think we all know what's going on now with Man City. We said uh, second half of the season, they kick into this unbeatable surge. They're capable of going on winning 10, 11, 12 straight. That's exactly what they've done. This was comprehensive, the victory against Copenhagen. Uh, they, they conceded a goal that was um, a kind of a giveaway, beautifully taken from Copenhagen to pull them back after De Bruyne had scored a beauty. And then really good teams. You just you just look back. The really good teams always seem to score just before halftime. It's it's uncanny really? how often it happens. And Manchester City have done that. They've rested any initiative that Copenhagen had out after that game. And then they go and score later on. Haaland's coming back. Uh, Phil Foden is is playing some wonderful football. You add to his hat trick um, from the other day uh, on onto a very good performance here. And even if Jack Grealish isn't performing to anywhere like his best at the moment, City have got so much firepower, so many good players. It it, it really is terrifying for everybody yeah. else. Yes, there's a huge amount of money behind uh, what Manchester City do. Yes, I'll, I'll whinge and whinge and whinge at the unfairness of it all. But then you look at what they do on the football field and they're, they're, they're just an incredible footballing machine. Yeah, they are. It's a bit scary. And uh, speaking of scary... Goglan, Leipzig nil, Real Madrid one. Real Madrid do what they have to do. Uh, they, I mean, they're, they're, Leipzig had a lot of shots. Yeah, I mean, as I was watching the highlights of that game, it is it is what it is when Champions League royalty rolls into town, right? <laughs> you can have all the possession, the football, and all that, and they know how to just win games. But I, I still think it's it's still early in the season, and Real Madrid will start to. But I'm hoping Real Madrid start to, but. Still, in uh, I think it's still early, early days in Champions League. Yeah, well, it's early days, but here at Just for Kicks, we like to pass judgment with very little information. <laughs> so, Bob Holmes, speaking of which, there was also Lazio 1, Bayern Munich 0. 
Paris Saint-Germain to Real Sociedad nil. I mean, this isn't all of the, the, the potential matches, but watching these, do you see anybody uh, challenging Man City? Uh, short answer, no. Uh, but there was a bit of a shock. Lazio beating uh, Bayern Munich. I know mm. it's only the first leg and it's only one goal, but still, uh, I think worth a mention. Uh, Bayern in a bit of a crisis, uh, having lost, thrashed, being thrashed by, by a Leverkusen at the weekend. Uh, they're already out of the cup and they're a few points behind in the league. So by their standards, this is a crisis. Normally they, they'll steam on and, uh, you know, pick up the Bundesliga crown almost automatically. They won it, I think it's 11 years in a row, but they've got a bit of a battle on their hands. And uh, it could be the future Liverpool manager that takes it off them. Uh, Xavi Alonso, yes. uh, he's, uh, I mean, what an audition for, a, for the Liverpool job uh, to, uh, to take a small town team. I mean, Bayer Leverkusen is essentially a factory team. Bayer is the buyer of the pharmaceutical industry. Everybody's <laughs> taken their pills and they formed a football team. Now they're going to, it looks as if they could pip Bayern to the uh, title. And Xavi Alonso has, has worked miracles because they were down at the bottom when he took over and he hasn't spent any money. So this, uh, you know, this is quite a performance from, uh, from the guy I can understand why it's odds yeah. on favorite. Absolutely. And uh, Des, uh, Harry Kane, uh, I mean, you know, uh, perhaps if he wants silverware, he should join JDT. Uh, <laughs> it has been suggested. But, I mean, he scored 27 goals, and yet he he might walk away with nothing again. Uh, there was a statistic I was reading uh, that um, Tottenham, since Harry Kane left, have scored more goals and accumulated more points without Harry Kane. And Bayern Munich, similarly, even though he's scored a lot of goals, they've uh, in the short time he's been there, uh, Bayern Munich that seemed to be less successful uh, with Harry Kane in the team, which is very, very harsh on a really, really good player whose job is to score goals and is scoring goals. Um, not quite sure what's wrong with Bayern Munich. They got them by a, a VAR red card for Upa Makeno in the uh, 1-0 defeat against Lazio. And the Leverkusen um, don't celebrate Leverkusen winning the, the Bundesliga just yet. This is Bayern. They've got this incredible propensity to come back and win titles that they shouldn't. Um, and you suspect they'll have enough to come back and beat Lazio in the second leg. But something's not quite right under Thomas Tuchel just at the moment. Um, the Leverkusen shot, uh, defeat was a shocker. This is a, a bad defeat. Um, Bayern would have expected, I think, to get something out of the, the first leg in, in Rome. Um, but let's see, it, 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 it's, it's early days. But Bayern not quite firing on all cylinders, despite being European royalty. Mm. Yeah, but I think what, what I want to add on to this is more of a psychological aspect of the defeat. Like what they're saying, you know, Bayern will sneak in in the end. I still remember, was it last season or the final day? And, you know, yes, yes. Yeah, mm. so that, you know. <laughs> about the 20th time. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it'll take a brave man to bet against Bayern. Anything. But mm. I just think the psychological aspect of it, trinal defeat is what is more damaging than anything else. Yeah. That five points can be clawed back. I know they will claw it back. It's just that how they're going to claw it back after mentally coming back from that. And it was a yeah. comprehensive win, by the way. It was, it yeah. was. Yeah. And uh, so... A lot of Europa League matches as well. I'm sorry, folks. Um, AC Milan, they beat Rennes. 
three nil, and Benfica. I, I suspect uh, uh, a um, Portuguese team will win it this time round. But uh, we'll catch up with them a little later, shall we? <laughs> so when we come back, we're going to be talking Premier League uh, here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself and Des and Goglin and Bob. And now, uh, Goglin. I think the match, uh, we're going to be talking about the matches coming up uh, over this weekend. And for me, a really fascinating match is Man City versus Chelsea. Two teams kind of on the up. Chelsea have been uh, getting themselves together. Um, Conor Gallagher, well, perhaps he just needs to play at Selhurst Park more often. And uh, I don't know, is this a potential banana skin for Manchester City? Goglin? Yeah, potential, but like I said, I mean, oh, well, I think all of us have been saying, you're coming into the boil now, you know, all the players coming back and all that. Banana skins will always be there, but based on form right now, I mean, I was watching that uh, last weekend against, uh, was it uh, Everton, where they were toiling, no shots on goal in the first half, which was very, very, uh, not a Man City type of thing at all. 80% possession, yes, but not even a shot on goal. You know, Everton and Tarak will stall and teams with a low block will come in and do that against City. So they, they will toil, they'll think, but then a masterclass from uh, Haaland. And that's the difference. You have so much of talent to come off the bench, to, you know. We, first of all, you have so much talent on the pitch. Then you have so much talent to come back to, come off the bench and change the game. You have so many options. So yes, I don't think there are any banana skins uh, left in this league uh, table for them unless they're playing like maybe the top sides. Because the right. bottom sides are, yeah. They will come up with a low block, but I think uh, City have found out found a way around that. Oh, come on, Bob. There must be a chink in the armor with Man City. I mean, Chelsea, they're, they're quick play. They're very fast. Well, I think I think there is. I mean, we were saying uh, earlier in the season that the long ball over the heads of the centre-backs, the, the old sort of uh, fashioned Sam Allardyce-type uh, football, was actually finding them out. A couple of times, I remember seeing uh, Ruben Diaz and uh, Guardiol really struggling with that, and neither of them are blessed with fantastic pace. And uh, I think Chelsea Chelsea scored a couple of goals in that four four draw, wasn't it? Um, uh, not that long ago, actually, just before Christmas. Um, Oh, I can't remember that City far back. Looked a bit, <laughs> um, this this last Christmas, Cam, not yeah, yeah. twenty years ago. I think ago. that's what he was. I think that's what he was. Referring. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I don't think they're invincible. And Chelsea are just the sort of cussed team that can pull this off. And they will go into this <laughs> game, and their fans certainly they their fans still think that they are a big club. Uh, rubbing shoulders with the cities and Liverpools of this world, and that they can still win silverware this season despite their uh, terrible start. So they they won't have an inferiority complex in this in this game, and they don't have a bad record against City. So I, uh, if you're looking for games where City can potentially slip up, I would say this is one of them. I don't. Okay. I'm not going to say Chelsea are going to win it. I'm just going to say that there but, is but, a potential. But, but Bob, don't you think that you know what uh, City try when teams that actually come and attack them? Sorry, I didn't catch that. 
No, don't you don't you think the city actually try when things actually open up and kind of try to attack them? Well, um, no, I don't know what because Chelsea in teams, the end of teams that go to the Etihad and start playing against City always get found out in the end. In the and end, so, in yeah. the end, most of the yeah. time, yeah, yeah, most of the well, time. But Chelsea, but Chelsea have got some some really talented players, you know. Okay, and right. and when they click, as we've seen a couple of times recently, they've also been awful recently. But a couple of times they've shown what they can do. So okay. I, I'm not ruling Chelsea out of this. All right. So uh, let me. Uh, Des has been nodding his head uh, in agreement there with Bob as Bob says that uh, Chelsea are going to beat Manchester City. He <laughs> um, didn't say that. Ken. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. I heard four nil. <laughs> I think I heard three three one. Yeah. Uh, Des, do you think this is a a, a chance for? Yeah, to kind of contradict what I was saying before about City, Chelsea are. So inconsistent. They've got 10 league defeats, but they can really turn it on. And I've been saying it's a young group of players and they do have the ability to go to Man City and get a point or or really take the game to City. They'll concede, but they're also capable of scoring. Plus, they've got uh, Cole Palmer, who's in, in great nick and maybe wanting to show Man City that they, they shouldn't have got rid of him, even though it was 14 million for a, for a, for a kid. Um, so Cole Palmer's got motivation. If Raheem Sterling gets a game, He'll certainly have some motivation against Man City just to prove that um, he was got rid of too too early. And this is the kind of game, uh, this is the call and the and the cup final against Liverpool, where Chelsea, I can see them turning up and really producing an upset. Man City still red hot favourites, but Chelsea more than capable of of, of uh, producing something here. You know what? My 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 other big call for for this weekend. I can see new league leaders at the end of this weekend. I can see Arsenal topping the pile because I can see Liverpool dropping points at Brentford and City dropping points against Chelsea. But you're, you are saying, you are, unlike Bob, who is hedging his bets, you are saying that Chelsea are going to win this match. No, I'm saying I'm saying they'll get a draw. I'm, I'm calling Chelsea to get a draw. Yeah, people Manchester are so City. wishy-washy. It's just disgraceful. <laughs> um, Gogolin, Gogolin, I want to ask you about uh, Burnley versus Arsenal. Shouldn't take too long. They thr- uh, Arsenal recently thrashed Sheffield United. Um, West Ham, West Ham. Was it West Ham? Sorry. Yeah. Um, once, once it gets down lower in the league, they're all the same to me. Uh, <laughs> well, I could, I could understand you could confusing Burnley and West Ham. They wear the same colours. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Aston Villa right. as well. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about Burnley? Will Burnley cause any? Tr- no. Come on. They can't. They can't cause any troubles. Yeah. Again. Uh, it's it's hard to call uh, hard to call out at this stage. Like I said, this is the tail end of the this is the business end of the season for me. This is where you start putting up your stakes, where the you know the, the title pretenders fall away and the big boys start you know coming in play. And you can see it from the league table. Teams are playing some good football. So bar any current injuries or a major injury uh, crisis, I think Arsenal will uh, roll this. They, yeah. they're, they're in good form. Their confidence is back after that that win and. They were. I don't think the confidence ever went, but you know the confidence is there that they can reel these teams in. Liverpool, City. Yeah, no one's gonna. No one's gonna stand up for Burnley. I think no show of hands. No. Let's move on then, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, by the way, I just want to ask uh, you very quickly uh, with the West Ham match. I remember now. Or a lot of uh, the West Ham uh, fans walked out early, which caused kind of consternation, shaking of heads, and stuff. Proper football fans stick to the end. Uh, Bob, are you a stick to the end kind of football fan, or would you have walked out early if your team um, was down by six 0 I I never left a, a ground before the end. Never. No. 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 Uh, okay. Des, 
I do not understand people doing it. It costs so much to get in for a start. And <laughs> and uh, it's an experience, win, lose or draw. Yes, you're massively disappointed, but you want your team to do well if they're doing particularly badly. You want the opportunity to, to vent your feelings at the end. I, I have no idea why people leave rounds early, not even to, to avoid the traffic. That's the worst reason of all. No, never, ever, ever leave early. Uh, and I'm guessing, Goglin, if you did finally ever get to go to, to watch Aston Villa in the flesh, you're not going to walk out early. <laughs> yeah, I'll not. <laughs> no, you stay there. And, I, and, and when, when I saw Kale City, nil, three behind nil, I stayed to the end because I'm a true football fan. That's how it works. Uh, well, okay, let's move on then. Uh, Descore kill. Brentford versus Liverpool. You're saying that uh, Brentford are going to win this one. No, I'm not. You keep yeah, putting words yeah, in yeah, people's yeah, mouths. Oh, that's, that's what he's supposed to do, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing that this is very tough and I can see Brentford getting a point here. They're the kind of up and after kind of team uh, that Liverpool sometimes struggle against. They've struggled against Brentford in the past. Um, they're, they're revitalized a little bit by the impressive return of Ivan Toni. Uh, their annoying team are, are Brentford. Uh, they're physically very strong and, and Liverpool do sometimes just flail a little bit when the, the pressure is on. Um, still a little bit wounded by that defeat to Arsenal um, a couple of weeks ago and Liverpool didn't particularly impress in, in their last win. But uh, So I can see this one being a tough one. This is Liverpool's little wobble just at the moment. Uh, and they, they're going to have to come through, uh, to play well to come through it. No Brentford to get a point here against Liverpool. Okay, I've got a good question because I've been having a chat with Liverpool fans about this. and saying they don't miss Salah and all that. But the moment you play against a big top five team, you come unstuck. So what, what's, what's the big difference? And it was interesting. When Everton played Man City the other day, around about the hour, Man City brought on five big international players uh, to completely change the game. Um Without Salah, Liverpool don't have that depth. So if Luis Diaz isn't doing it, there isn't an obvious replacement. So it's the depth of the of the top clubs that is really hurt when you're when you're, you're missing Salah. Salah's so just you're starter. saying Liverpool's not one of the top clubs? Liverpool are because Salah's not there. They certainly don't have five strikers that they can call on, and they've had one or two injuries. Diaz has missed. Um, not Diaz. Um, Nunes has missed a couple of games. Jota's missed a couple of games. And so if you're suddenly down to your, your, your three main strikers, you can't introduce another world-class striker on the 70th minute, which is what the top real top clubs are able to do. When, they're, when Liverpool have got all the players fit and when Salah is back, yeah, they're right up there with them. But at, at, when, when they suffer the injuries, every, every club suffers. Of course they do. Yeah, except for Manchester City. Uh, when you're but talking about did. the top clubs, it's really one club you're talking about. Um, <laughs> So uh, we're taking a break now. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking Tottenham Wolves here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Russell, and Bob Holmes, Goglandora Raju, and Des Corkill. And now, before we get on to Tottenham Wolves, uh, Bob would like to uh, point something out about Brentford. Yeah, a couple of interesting things. Uh, first of all, they have signed a striker for £30 million in anticipation of uh, Ivan Tony leaving for quite a lot more than £30 million. Um, he, he's uh, Andoni, uh, sorry, um, he's uh, Tiago, Igor Tiago, uh, who scored 16 goals in 24 games uh, in the uh, Belgian League, I think. And this is a lot of money to spend for Brentford. Um, but it just shows 
how to run a football club. You know you're going to sell your striker, your top striker for, you know, a huge amount of money and you get the replacement in first. And the other thing about Brentford is that their manager, Thomas Frank, is apparently one of the dark horses for the Liverpool job. And I oh. just wonder what Des would think of that. Uh, uh, Bob, truly, truly, nobody's really looking at, um, at, at, at that. Uh, it's all speculation at the moment. Liverpool will have irons in the fire. Alonso is supposedly the favourite. But um, I, I, it's a very different thing. Thomas Frank has had a, a very good couple of seasons, and uh, but he's backed by a very different uh, working model to what Jurgen Klopp's been working on with, with Liverpool. I don't see him being transferred up to a very, very top job. I, I can only see um, a superstar youngster or uh, one of the established big names taking over at Liverpool. But no, nobody at Liverpool, no, nobody other fans are really, really talking about it yet. They will, but not yet. Well, I predict the luckiest man in football, Roberto Martinez, will somehow get the yeah. uh, Liverpool <laughs> job. I, I, I don't promise know how you, that will happen. happen. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I will not be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, Oglin, Tottenham Wolves. You've, um, you were saying before we came on air that uh, with a few injuries, every club will do a Tottenham. And you were talking, and you said that in a way that was very disrespectful. Uh, uh, but, and again, you're putting words in my mouth. <laughs> I, don't, oh, I don't know. I was uh, just referring to Tottenham's wobble at the beginning of the season when they were unbeaten, top of the table. and then they Well, they're fourth now. Yeah, exactly. So they had a couple of injuries and they started dropping on the table, you know. And I, and I said it then. Every team is a two or three, well, I said it about Villa. I said Villa are two or three injuries away from becoming a Spurs. And that became a meme of sorts <laughs> that, you know, every team is a few injuries away from becoming doing a Spurs, which is, but now yeah. they have all their players back, majority of their players back, except for maybe one or two, and they're slowly putting in the performances that are uh, of what Ange wants from his team. And uh, you can see that he's built his team around this group of players. You know, I mean, he might have depth in the squad, but he has trusted this group of players, his style of plays. I think every day he speaks to these players. So when Madison back and all that, they're starting to put in the performances. And I think Spurs will uh, are in a good stand right now, in a good fight, making the picking at the right time. Okay. I just so, want to say, though, that uh, grammatically, in the English language, the verb to Spurs <laughs> it's the, does, it's not mean, does not mean to have injuries. Hey. Okay. She could get a Spurs fan on the show. But th this is pre-Ange. There's pre and post-Ange, I think, in the world of Spurs now. Bostikoglu yeah. is making such a difference. He is, he is, he is. Um, Bob Holmes, this will be, I think this could be the most interesting match of the weekend. Luton Town versus Manchester United. Um, two teams kind of coming on the up. Uh, Luton Town are really in your face. And uh, I don't know how Man United will deal with that. Uh, Oh, gosh, I go. which way will this one go? Well, Luton were um, on the on the up until they lost at home to Sheffield United last week. That was a, I mean, that was almost a shock. I think Luton losing at home being a shock to Sheffield United, yes, because uh, I think we'd written off Sheffield United, um, but uh, it was a convincing win. Luton were awful; they were as bad as we expected them to be. I think. Um, but it was probably a blip. I can't see them being that bad again. And the visit of United will have Kenilworth Road buzzing. And, and it can buzz despite its uh, small size. It's, uh, it's an atmospheric little ground. But United seem to have steadied. I think uh, 
sticking with Ten Hag, uh, he's uh, steadied the ship, and even the goalkeeper, which I who I criticised last week, uh, has actually played well. I thought in the um, in the game uh, in the previous game. Uh, oh no, no, I give credit to when it's due, uh, and that that's probably had a, a galvanising effect on the defence. So when the, when your keeper starts to look like a keeper. Uh, gives gives defenders confidence. Well, he was um, man of the match last weekend. Yeah, um, yeah. Just after I criticised him uh, on <laughs> the show. Uh, so, yeah, I think United um, they've they've got wind in their sails now, and we'll we'll probably talk about the off season, uh, off um, off the pitch stuff um, later. But mm -hmm. uh, they've turned a corner on the field as well, and I I can only see a. a, a Fairly comfortable United win here. Yeah. Okay. Des, yeah. Um What do you think? I don't know. Maybe. Same here. I think Man United are, are turning a corner. I think Ten Hag is was a terrific appointment. Uh, he's uh, he's remained very noble during all the all the the, the um, stick that's been thrown at him. Uh, he's believed in young players like Hoyland and Garnacho. Um, he's backed Marcus Rashford. Uh, disciplined him when, when he needed to, but backed Marcus Rashford. He's now got his most of his injured players uh, defensively back in that uh, Shaw is back. He's introduced Mino into the heart of midfield. And so he's slowly but surely rebuilt a, a Man United side who are resilient. They scored a lot of late winners, United, uh, a late winner against Villa. Sorry, Gogs, that was, a, that was a, a tough one for Villa fans to take. But United were resilient and I got the late winner. Uh, you remember a couple of weeks ago or a, a couple of months ago now when they came back and scored two against Brentford. So there's resilience there. I think I think Ten Hag is is a really good manager with what he did at Ajax. And you see how Ajax imploded after after he left. He's um he's he's, he's a good appointment for Manchester United. And you've just got to be patient. Yeah, United to carry on their good form. I see them as potential potential top four Man United. Whoa, okay. Uh, that's that big talk there, Goglin. Uh, presently, Aston Villa are above United. So. Say something disrespectful about Manchester United oh, in a no. condescending kind of way. <laughs> you know? But I agree. I mean, well, if you want me to say something condescending in a way, I thought, you know, it was a late winner that, you know, we were quite gutted because I think Villa letting the cheat go in the first first half. And I think I, I was really, really impressed with the way we came back. We battered their goal. And like we said, Onana was the man of the match. I don't know. Our shooting boots were not on. So we really never got the this thing. And uh, now with the defensive crisis that we have, we seem to be losing every header in the box. And I was surprised that uh, McTominay scored with a header. So that's what's condescending I'm going to get. I, they didn't deserve well, the three points. The, the, the <laughs> performance on the pitch was not uh, evident of three points. We gave it away, I must say. But okay. on, on the, the pro of that, to take something away, I was really happy with the uh, way we played football. And, you know, I'm, I'm in good... Are we going to be talking about Villa now, or are we going to talk yeah. about? No, Villa? no, we're not. We're not. We, uh, you're, you are eating away into uh, Villa okay, time. Okay. I'm sorry. sorry, that's just how it works. I'm, right I'm just talking about the Villa, Villa United game <laughs> okay. because you know, I've been getting stick yes. from every United fan that I yeah. bump into these days. I, I kind of got in a small mercies for them. You know, it, yeah. it's been a while, but I had to tell them. I, I told them to show me a picture of the league table. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's things by the end of the season. The league table will, will be Manchester United in Champions League spot. Let's so, see that. Let's see that. Okay, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will continue with Premier League and talk about Manchester United's business side uh, off the pitch here on Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. 
Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to part four with myself and Bob and Gogolin and Des. And now uh, we move to, um, uh, actually, uh, Bob, I want to ask you about, I don't know what to make of these two teams. Newcastle versus Bournemouth. Newcastle had a good start to the season, but they're kind of drifting away seventh. Um, maybe they're picking up again, but I think that they're missing out on Champions League for sure. They can't bridge that gap. Bournemouth, meanwhile, 13th, but surely at, with 27 points, the way they're going, eh, they're safe. It's mid-table mediocrity. Uh, how do you see this one going? Uh, well, interesting game. It's the Eddie Howe derby. This, oh, Of course, yeah. Um, and there's a little bit more to it than just that. Uh, uh, Andoni Iraola, the Bournemouth manager, was, to some extent, Eddie Howe's mentor. Um, you, you might not think that because they're similar age, but when uh, Eddie Howe uh, left football for a while, went on a, a, a sabbatical, he went around the world visiting uh, various clubs, picking the brains of certain managers. And one of them was uh, Iriola. And uh, he's got a great deal of respect for him. And it was when, uh, it's a few years ago now, when the Spanish teams, led by uh, Atletico Bilbao, if you remember, were uh, introducing the pressing game, a very, a very intense pressing game before uh, Jurgen Klopp got hold of it and called it gegenpressing. And Eddie Howe took this on board, and that's what he tried to introduce at Newcastle United. And it was all down to Iraola. And uh, this guy, the Spaniard, is a uh, Basque, actually. He's got a very good reputation, which is why Bournemouth stuck with him so long, because they got off to a very bad start. And everyone thought he was he was going to be sacked, and they couldn't get a they couldn't buy a win for for a couple of months. But the the owners stuck with him because they knew his pedigree, and now he's taken them up like, almost halfway up the league. And I mean Dominic Solanke, who's a bit of a laughingstock at Liverpool, and really when when they got almost twenty million for him, people thought that they, you know, this was absolute robbery. But now he's being rated in the forty fifty million category. Uh, because he's found his his uh, level with with Bournemouth, so uh, and he's he's there uh, flying, and Newcastle are deprived of their two strikers, Callum Wilson and uh, Isak, who always always seem to be injured, and in, uh, injuries are really plaguing, really spoiling Newcastle's season. So this is uh, anybody's game, really. Um, one end of the country to the other, one soft southern uh, retirement hometown to uh, a hard northern bastion of, of football. Um, you couldn't get two, two towns um, uh, with a greater diversity, but it's, uh, it's even Stephen. Bournemouth, Bournemouth could actually, it's at Newcastle, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Bournemouth could actually get something here with a week in Newcastle. Well, a bit of a mischaracterization of uh, stereotypes of England. I mean, uh, Newcastle produced Brian Ferry of Roxy Music. Uh, <laughs> older, older listeners will know that. And I've been beaten up on the streets of Bournemouth. Huh. So, Bob Holmes. What, uh, by an old lady? Lars <laughs> <laughs> well, go down there to work in the holidays, uh, to work in the hotels. <laughs> well, it might have been one of those. Who knows? Um, uh, speaking of Scousers, uh, Des, um, 
Everton versus Crystal Palace. Now, Crystal Palace, uh, they got beaten recently. And then uh, during the uh, training session, um, Roy Hodgson took ill. Uh, and uh, apparently he's stable uh, in hospital, though, I think. So we, we wish him best of luck. Um, and uh, no news on points deduction situation for Everton. So they just will just have to carry on and just play their football. Yes, they will. Obviously, for for Roy Hodgson, you you hope he's uh, he is fitting well. He's under a lot of pressure, uh, football wise, at Crystal Palace, and that can't have helped the, the situation. Uh, there's talk that he was going to be replaced uh, anyway, and now with the illness and the the um, uh, the, the time in hospital, they might be forced upon Crystal Palace to make a change at the top. Everton, um, this is a rare opportunity for them to take uh, advantage of somebody else who was in disarray. Everton played uh, really well in a Sean Dyche kind of a way against Manchester City and came away with nothing. Um, they'll continue to, to to plug away and battle away. Uh, they, I mean, they're obviously in the relegation slots at the moment, but this could be a very, very important three points for Everton. Um, they, they're difficult to beat Everton, but they don't win enough games. It's eight all season. They've um, They've drawn three of their last four games. So they've got to pick up a couple of wins just to try to edge away from the from the bottom three um, and, and then worry about the, the points deduction. Assume the points deduction remains in place, um, but get this this is a vital win. Late last year, they beat Palace. Um, actually, two years ago when Frank Lampard was there, they beat Palace at home uh, to secure their um, top flight survival. I think this is not quite on the same important scale as that, but not far off it. Everton have got to win these kind of games. Yeah. Um, okay, Goglan, now you can talk about Aston Villa. Fulham versus Aston Villa. And I, gosh, I, I think Villa really need to get their act together again and sort of steady the ship. This would be, well, this would be, be the perfect place to do it, wouldn't it? Again, no, I think the Fortress Villa, we used to have unbeaten or run, which is now, I mean, up to two home, three home losses in a row. And uh, Villa Park has put that to dent. But as, as we were saying before the show, you know, the lot of injuries that Villa are carrying right now, it's been piling up. And now with our centre-backs gone, we just lost Diego Carlos yesterday from another hamstring for a couple of games. So the walking wounded there. And again, I say, I was saying this before, with teams like Villa, with, without the depth, and you, you have key injuries, injuries to key players, it, it knocks the wins out of your sails. And hence why you can see the performances they're beginning. But bearing that in mind, I was really, really pleasantly surprised and happy to see the way we came back against United last week. So I'm hoping, uh, well, and the away form has picked up while the home form is strong. So I am optimistic. But, but let me just set this straight. You know, where, whatever happens to Villa from here onwards, I, it's been a great season for us as Villa fans. You know it. Mm-hmm. We've, been playing some, we've played some really good football. And, and it's been a while since I've said that. And that, you know, it's been a joy to watch Villa play football. So, Regardless of where we end up, you know, I would, I would really, really hope we get Champions League. But regardless of that, it's you know, I'm going to just strap on and enjoy the ride for you. So, if you had a child now, um, you'd, you'd, <laughs> you'd, you would name him Emery Villaduraju or something. <laughs> Unai, Unai, Unai Duraju. <laughs> okay, um, okay, uh, Bob Holmes, the big one. We always save the the most important match till last. Um, Forest versus West Ham. Oh, by the way, I just want to apologize to Fulham fans. Pro- Producer Hanif, we're going to have to invest some money and, and create a Fulham fan to, to actually be able to talk about <laughs> Fulham. It's like they never get spoken about. So one day. Um, 
Meanwhile, though, uh, Nottingham Forest versus West Ham, perhaps the best time to beat West Ham. Uh, well, it is or it isn't. Um, after a 6-0 defeat, you would expect some sort of reaction, wouldn't you? Uh, certainly, you would have got a reaction from David Moyes. And the, the, when he saw those uh, West Ham fans leaving before half-time, I don't know what went through. Well, I can imagine what was going through his mind. And this vast Olympic stadium that they play in, um, it, the, those empty seats look very conspicuous. And I think it, it just shows how hard to please West Ham fans are. I mean, th this is the guy that took them to sixth place in the league last season and won a trophy in Europe. Um, and just because they're having a little wobble, Okay, that was a that was a humiliating defeat, but it was one game to Arsenal, who are you know challenging, uh, uh, challenging at the top. Arsenal are a very good side, so to to for fans to dismiss everything that David Moyes has done, um, in in that manner, and I mean he's under pressure apparently. They're calling for his head. I mean, what do they want? Who do they think they are? They're West Ham. I mean, I like West Ham. I like that. I, you know, going back to the the old days and all that. Most most people do like West Ham. Good. Even Northerners like West Ham because they played right. dice football and they three of them won the World Cup for England. But I mean, these fans today uh, doing that and calling for David Moyes to be sacked, the, the really, the, it, it's outrageous. He he should be given a long contract. And yeah, but can I can I, can I ask you that? Uh, Bob, uh, you say back in the day. So, uh, Brian Clough, once upon a time, won uh, two European Cups with uh, Forrest. And then he stayed on for a very long time. And by the time he'd left, it was Forrest had been relegated. Well, they he, were he, relegated when he left. It was, when he left, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was simultaneous, actually. Yeah, and that was um, like 20 years, no, but he was, 15 he years wasn't later. No, no, no. It wasn't exactly a failure Absolutely. after the European yeah. Cups. Uh, they won the League Cup four times, and um, they won. They were cheated out of the UEFA Cup. Uh, there's no question about it. The semi-final. Right. Um, and elect, two yeah. goals disallowed. Everybody knows this. It's well documented. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it, it is, yes, yes, yes. And also, the, mm -hmm. there were two Mickey Mouse trophies, the Simod Cup and the I think it was the Zenith Data Systems Cup, which they introduced. And Forrest won both of those. And they got, it got to the stage, four League Cups and those two Cups. We used to call Wembley our second home. Okay, we're going to have to fade Are you down, talking Bob? about this being <laughs> a failure? Richard You've done it again. Gonna... You've done it again, Bob. Wow. I opened the Pandora's box. I apologize. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, all right. Um, I want to move on to, before we get on to um, talking about... Uh, Manchester United's uh, uh, financial issues. Uh, by the way, apologies to fans of Sheffield United and Brighton. One match will always be sacrificed. I want to ask the two of you, uh, Goglin and Des, how do you feel about hanging on to... Uh, Bob is clearly a very loyal fellow. Um, hanging on to managers or cutting them adrift, like, you know, as soon as things start smelling a bit off, just get rid of them or hanging on to them and seeing them through. Uh, Des? Uh, sometimes a change can be good and not, not during the season. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer that coaches should be given a, a full season unless there's health reasons like Roy Hodgson. Um, 
But David Moyes, remember, he, he won the European Conference last year and um, he, he could walk on water. Uh, now they've, they've lost very badly at home and uh, there's people calling for his head. But I feel it's a bit like Everton. He's taken this West Ham group as far as he possibly can. Um, I can't see them getting up into the Champions League places. I can see them maybe falling away to, to the mid-table and, and, and below uh, in seasons to come if David Moyes stays. So sometimes the, the coach needs a new challenge and, and so does the club. And it just feels like that's the situation for, for West Ham. The other thing with David Moyes, he, he lost his best player. It's no coincidence that Arsenal are a much better team this year with Declan Rice or a much more consistent team with Declan Rice than they were last year. And that was West Ham's big, big asset. And they lost him. So when, you, when your best resource is taken away from you, when you, you've, you maybe could have walked out last year having won the Europa, Europa Conference League, maybe now is the time for David Moyes to look at the end of the, this season and say, right, time for a new challenge. Not sure where, but uh, time for a new challenge because it's, it's as good as it's going to get at West Ham. Yeah, he needs to pick a kind of slightly good mid-table club like, uh, I don't know, Manchester United. Really, uh, Goglin, I know you still you still sort of wish that uh, Stephen Gerrard had stayed on longer. At uh... yeah, he set the foundation, Gogs. He set the foundations. <laughs> yeah. Evidently, he did. Um, <laughs> are, are you are you uh, no? Let's stick with this guy. He's done us proud. Or let's get rid of him now. And this is in relation to Moyes. Well, Moyes, but also in general. In general, I'm not a big believer. You know, I was, you know, my views and how or the Ateta thing and everything. Mm. And I always said, give him time and you know, trust the process and everything. And we are, we are where we are because of the insatiable appetite for success and the TV money and everything. We don't have time. Managers don't have time anymore. Two, three defeats, and you know, trans fans are binging and everybody's a pundit. Everybody who's playing PS, everybody you know, has a mobile phone is a pundit. Everybody knows better. So, you know, it's, it's, it's become that the, the whole ecosystem is uh, such that there's no time, there's no more time for managers to this thing. Managers cannot simply, you know, come in and, you know, unless you have a, a transfer kitty of buying all the top players in the world and throwing in players and all that, you will never have that much of this thing, especially in a, in a compressed season. Mm. So, you, like, I agree with this. I think Moyes should have left last season on a high. You know, he, he's taken West Ham to where it is. You know, to do that with West Ham last season is incredibly, incredibly good. Yeah. For, especially David Boyce, and that is the statement, you know, after why he's been treated in United and all the stick that he's, he had got. Yeah. You know, I, I, again, I, he's, a, he's a great manager, what he did at Everton and everything. Yeah, you know, managers will have brought the blips in their CVs. Look at Jose, Jose Mourinho right now. Oh, it's, you know, I'm hoping it's a bit more just a blip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's move on then. Uh, Bob Holmes, you can either talk about, talk us in depth through the Nottingham Forest season, 1982, 1983. <laughs> right, I'll go for that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> or, uh, I think I could choose this one for you. Um, Manchester United's um, financial situation. Well, it's not, it's not really financial, but their, their backroom situation. Yeah. Off the field, uh, things are looking up, as they are on the field too, I think, as we've said. But uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe has managed to get hold of the football side of the club, which is all any fan really wants to do, for just a billion pounds. It does seem like not it's, much, doesn't um, it? it? No, it, it is an, an amazing, it's a masterstroke, isn't it, really? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he is a genuine fan. And a billion is, is oh, it's not peanuts. It's not peanuts, it's not no. a lot <laughs> to, for, uh, you know, the supposed uh, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Now, 
Now, he's only got 25%, but he is running the show, basically, because the, the Glazers don't do anything except take money out. Uh, so he's, he's running the football side, so he's got a lot of license. He can appoint the uh, director of football, well, the manager, obviously, and, and, and all these. And he's, he's uh, not hanging about. He's, uh, he's uh, nicked a guy from City, one of the uh, masterminds of their rise from obscurity, a uh, Moroccan guy, very highly regarded, Barada, his name is, and he's going to be the, the guy behind the scenes. They've got uh, this David Brailsford as the um, sporting director, and who's had uh, great success in with uh, British Olympic teams, and now they're going for Dan Ashworth, who's the uh, currently the Newcastle United uh, football director, who's very highly regarded. Regarded. So they're going for all these top people uh, behind the scenes, which is what United didn't have when Ed Woodward was conducting the transfer negotiations. Uh, a banker, a brilliant banker who made a lot of money for the Glazers, but not a football man. And how a, a big organization like that could not have these people in place beggars belief. And it is one of the reasons for their decline on the field. They, they just didn't have a structure. Alex Ferguson used to run United out of his back pocket, basically, and they left it to him, and he just had that magical touch, and they got away with it. But he's been gone for over ten years now, and it's a different game. You've got to got to get these player, uh, these people. The other thing he's uh, Ratcliffe is doing is he's planning to either uh, revive Old Trafford or build a new one. The United have a lot of land around the ground. They the Glazers own seems like half of Manchester. There's enough room to build a new stadium next door so they could continue to play at Old Trafford while the new stadium is being built. Wow. And he's already tapping up investors. It could cost $2 billion. It could cost twice as much as what the Spurs stadium cost. But he seems to be pretty determined to do it. Wow. So twice as much, and yet it's in Manchester. It's not in London. I mean, yeah. God. But yeah. they're going for bigger. They're going yeah. bigger. They're going yeah. for ninety thousand. Well, can, can I? Can I? Can I just because uh, we're running out of time here? But Des, um, we don't know yet what will happen with this Ratcliffe revolution. I, I'm, perhaps I coined the phrase TM. Um, uh, but do we under underplay in general the the situation in the back rooms of these clubs? Do we? Are they actually? Do you think that they they impact what happens on the pitch more than perhaps we know? Uh, stability in every every business organization is is very important. I think it can be overplayed, um, but those who are successful generally have a very good structure above them, and generally they appoint football people. So when I hear Dale, David Brailsford coming in at, at Man United, I'm kind of thinking he's not a football guy. Yeah, he's a sports no. guy. He did brilliantly with the uh, cycling team and the Olympic team. And Ratcliffe himself isn't a football guy. He's a football fan, but he's his business interests are elsewhere. Uh, so long as the football decisions are made, the, the business is a strong business. The Glazers are taking millions out and still investing huge amounts of money in in in, uh, in players. Nobody can say that. But but Bob is is dead right. The the stability and the structure and the direction of where you want to go 
And I think he's he's got in Ten Hag. I've been a fan of Ten Hag ever since the, the appointment and, and how he dealt with the Ronaldo situation. Um, so the the portents are good for Man United, but the, the one thing in the back of the mind is, is it football people who are running the show? If it's football people running the show, great. If not, then there could be uh, more problems for United because they will chase the golden dollar. Uh, okay, let's finish with you then, Goglin. Um, seeing as you're renaming your child Villa Park, Unai Emery, Goraju, <laughs> uh, is it the golden age of Villa? Is this also the golden age of, uh, is it no coincidence that this is a, a good time in terms of the, the management of the business of Aston Villa? Uh, I think, but to back what Des was saying, it's, it's, it's always going to be about the money from now on. You know, it's, it's, it's the money game. All these investors coming into English football is not for the love of English football. It's for the money. You know, the more the Americans don't know anything about English football. And now the majority of clubs in the Premier League are being owned by Eng uh, the Americans. Americans. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all for the money. There was this uh, big uh, theory out on how American, uh, the NFL type of uh, franchising and all that is what the Premier League needed. And this was like 10 years ago, something that was, it was out on the public domain. And this has set the wheels in motion for teams to go and court American owners and set this whole thing because end of the day, the end goal is always to sell as much, as much merchandise as much as possible in the uh, markets overseas. Mm. This is what the Americans do best. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, although I would just point out, I don't think Saudi Arabia need the money. Uh, <laughs> Saudi Arabia need their population to yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay well that brings us to the end of this week's show and uh, well thank you very much uh, for listening and also I'd like to thank Bob Holmes thank you thanks for having me and uh, Goglandur Raju up the villa and uh, oh, by the way uh, uh, BFM and Just for Kick do not endorse that uh, message <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you Des Corkhill as Asian football correspondent, I've got to tell you, AFC Champions League matches took place. Uh, quarterfinals, Ronaldo scored the winner for Al Nasser. Bangkok United got a draw against Yokohama Marinos. And in the AFC Cup, Sabah's um, uh, involvement in the AFC Cup ended with a 3-0 defeat to Australian side MacArthur. So just to, to round off the, the situation, Asia's very important, Cam. Let's not forget. It, it is. And you and you had it written down and I, co I missed that page. You so didn't. I, you ignored I, it. No, I you didn't. No, I didn't. It. I just, it's Bob in the 82-83 <laughs> yeah which we did record folks and you can listen to in a separate podcast uh, uh, well, and also thank you to uh, producer Hanif Baharudin and see you next time here on Just for Kicks BFM 89.9 2022. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.